So, a few years ago, um, actually 15 years ago, when I was 19, it feels like a few years ago, but it was a very long time ago, I went to America to do a programme called Camp America, where you teach uh, children how to swim and do other activities. Um, it was the first time that I had been to America. I grew up in quite a rural place, uh, just near North Wales, so I actually hadn't really been to many cities before, and I got thrown into New York, which is obviously massive. Uh, first time I went to Walmart, 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 I just couldn't believe how big it was and how much choice there was. I remember as I walked in, I said to the security guy, um, what time do you close, please? And he went, ma'am, this store never closes. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so the choice that we were faced with was absolutely ridiculous. We went out one evening just to buy some ice cream. And I walked down the ice cream aisle, and I was like, oh my goodness, how do I choose in this? So where I came from at that time, the little co-op, which was our local supermarket, you could have chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, or Neapolitan. That was the choice. <laughs> Suddenly, we were faced with every flavor, low fat, low sugar, frozen yogurt, every option. And we stood there for ages, just looking, trying to choose. And in the end, we chose chocolate. <laughs> Stick with what you know, that's what I say. If you went into Walmart now, you would find eight, uh, 285 varieties of cookies, 65 box drinks, 80 different pain relievers, 40 types of toothpaste, 150 lipsticks, 360 shampoos... 230 soups and 275 types of breakfast cereal. How can we possibly make a decision in a world with this much choice? And it's not just supermarkets. This generation, that we, this time that we live in, has everything at our fingertips. We can live anywhere in the world. We can do any job. If we sign up to online dating, which I don't, because I'm happily married. <laughs> but apparently, so I've heard, if you do, you have hundreds of choices of people that you can date. We have got unparalleled freedom. But don't you find that with this huge amount of choice, with this sense of opportunity, comes indecision, confusion, and anxiety. Life is so wide open to us that we desperately seek to find out which is the right path that we should be on. Which choice is the one that God wants us to make? What should I do this summer? Do I want a career? What sort of career? Do I want to get married? Do I want to have kids? How many kids? Should I play sport or sing in a choir? Should I stay in my current job or move jobs? Should I leave home? Should I move back home? Where should I give my money to? Where should I go to church? Should we move house? When should I retire? Questions that we're all faced with, everybody. But if you're a Christian, and I know not everybody here is, but if you're a Christian, you might also have the added pressure of what does God want me to do? God's way is the right way, the best way and the good way. And we want to know what his will is. 
So let's talk about God's will. I'm going to describe God's will in three different ways, but my disclaimer is that God cannot be boxed. So as I describe it, you might think of exceptions to the rule, and that is absolutely fine. You might disagree with what I'm saying, and that is absolutely fine. I'm hitting quite a big uh, topic here, and after I'd read the book, I thought I'd rather do this in three, three parts rather than try and cover it all today. So bear with me, I won't get through everything today. And afterwards, Luke and I are going to have a question and answer session down in the uh, kids' room. So if there is stuff that's bubbling over, you can come and chat to us and find out a little bit more. So there's three different ways of describing God's will. Firstly, his will of decree, then his will of desire, and his will of direction. So um, will of decree is what is going to be, will of desire is what God wants to be, will of direction is, is what God wants us to do. So will of decree, decree just means an official order that has the full force of the law. It's undoable. It can't be changed. Usually a word you'd find in old fairy tales, the king decreed that everybody should be happy, and so everybody had to be happy. So let me give you some examples from the Bible. That's not what God says. (laughs) In the story of Moses, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and God decreed that his people should be set free. Pharaoh tried to stop it, but he couldn't stop it. He tried everything he could, but in the end, God's people were set free. So that's God's will of decree, something that he said would happen, and it did happen. In the story of Noah, God decreed that there would be a flood, and there was a flood. And no one could stop it. And Noah was ready for it because God told him about it. And the story of David, the whole lifespan of David, God decreed that he would be king. He said, David will be king. There was nothing anyone could do to stop it. Saul tried and made him wait 20 years. But it was something that God had decreed. And the best example from the New Testament is Jesus. God decreed that Jesus would come, would live amongst us, and would die for us. And that couldn't be stopped. Okay, so God's will of decree. Then we have God's will of desire. So this is what he desires from us. This is what he wants, what he loves. If we say the will of decree is how things are, then the will of desire is how they ought to be. The will of decree cannot be thwarted, but the will of desire can be disregarded. Micah 8, uh, sorry, Micah 6. The Bible tells us to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. That's what he wants from us. That's his will of desire for us. In Mark, it says, love God and love your neighbor. So that's God's will of desire. That's what he loves. That's what he wants from us. And in 1 John, God's will of desire is that we would love the Father rather than loving the things of the world. That's what he wants from us. And obviously there's loads more examples in the Bible of what God wants from us. But the overarching theme is that God's will is about us living holy lives that are pleasing to him. Now, there's a third way that we speak of God's will, and that is God's will of direction, 
We want to know his individual specific plan for our life. The who, what, where, when. The direction we should go in. In Psalm 139, it says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And we'd quite like a copy of that book, wouldn't we? We'd quite love to know what that says. What shall I do? Where shall I go? Who shall I do it with? When shall I do it? God knows the answers. It's already written in his book. So if we can just find out his will of direction for our lives, we know we'll be on the right path. The problem is we aren't supposed to know ahead of time. We're not supposed to know the plan. Yes, God has a specific plan for our lives. Yes, we can be assured that he works all things for good. And yes, looking back, we will often be able to trace God's hand in our life. But does God have a secret will of direction that he expects us to figure out before we do something? No. We're free to ask God for wisdom, but he doesn't burden us with the task of divining his direction for our lives ahead of time. Now, there are examples in the Bible where we see God's will of direction. And this is the area that I can't get into because I haven't got time. But I'm going to say three things about that. If you can think of examples where God tells someone what to do or where to go. They're unusual. That's not how God usually speaks. They are unusual examples in the Bible. The person that God is speaking to hasn't asked, hasn't said, God, what shall I do? They're just doing their thing and then God speaks to them. And thirdly, there's still a choice. And that's all I can say about that. (laughs) So, here's the headline. God does have a plan for our lives, but he is not a sneaky God, and it's not a secret plan that we have to figure out. God has a plan for your life, but he's not a sneaky God, and it's not a secret plan that you have to figure out. Let me tell you a story about a friend of mine who lives in London. Um, Her and her husband are really passionate about community and they've kind of devoted their lives to uh, sharing Jesus with people that they live, uh, live with. They live in a particularly rough part of London in a tower block and that's what they do with their lives. They share Jesus, they build community, they grow friendships. And my friend's got a little girl, and she was unsure whether to put her into swimming lessons or ballet dance lessons on a Saturday morning. Hashtag first world middle class problems. <laughs> we were chatting on the phone, and she was telling me about it, and she said, I, I just don't, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, just go where, where you can build community, because that's what you're passionate about. She said, yeah, both of them would do that. There's great um, chances and opportunities at both of these Um, And she said to me, I just want to know what God says. I'd really like it if he opened one door and closed the other door, or if he showed me in some way which choice we should make. And the following week, she texts me, and she said, you'll never guess what, I've received in the post from my auntie, uh, Leotard Anatutu. And so I think that's quite clear what God wants me to do. Just a little disclaimer, her auntie is slightly crazy and doesn't follow Jesus. 
Um, not that that's a problem. We, we like people that don't follow Jesus. <laughs> that's not why she's batty. It's just a fact. <laughs> so at the time, I was like, yeah, that's great. God's amazing. Woo. But afterwards, I thought, is that how God works? Did God div- divinely orchestrate this crazy auntie who doesn't pray or listen to Jesus to go and buy a tutu so that God's will for the little girl would be revealed? Or did some crazy lady see a cute outfit and buy it? God does have a plan for our lives, but he's not a sneaky God and it's not a secret plan. I have got a little boy called Aaron who many of you will either know or will have encountered. He usually goes around handing out badges to everybody, random hugs to pretty ladies. Um, Now, Aaron is not a fan of making decisions. The game that we just played at the start of the meeting, every single question, he just looked at me. What shall I do? Worms or crickets, which one would I rather eat? I don't know. (laughs) It wasn't even a dilemma. Like, I wouldn't want to eat either. It was just, tell me what to do, mum, tell me what to do. Um, And whenever there's a choice, he asks me or Luke for the answer. Whether it's what clothes to wear, what program to watch, what food to eat. He really struggles to make choices. And he would much rather we just told him what to do. He's only four and a half, by the way. It's not like he's 12 or something. Anyway, we want him to get good at making decisions and um, we always encourage him to decide for himself. Uh, Now, at Easter, he was given five Easter eggs, a huge Easter bunny and loads of like little chocolates and things. And it's still in our house. They're very disciplined. It'll probably last until Christmas or until it goes off. Um, And whenever it comes to, you can have have some chocolate if you want, Aaron. Obviously, the first question is, which one shall I have? Shall I have the Smarties egg, the Trolls egg, or the Maltesers egg? And I'm like, I don't care. Really doesn't bother me. (laughs) But obviously, I say it in a really kind and parenting way. Um, And it doesn't matter to me. It makes no difference to me which egg he eats. But it really matters to Aaron. He desperately wants to make the right choice really wants me to tell him what I think. He'll spend ages looking at the eggs, looking at all the things you get in them, which one is the best decision. And sometimes he even tricks me into making a decision for him. So one day, after I'd made it very clear, I'm not going to give you an opinion, I was just going about, like, emptying the dishwasher, doing what mums do, and he goes, Mummy, do you like blue or green? And I went, uh, Blue. And he went, right, I'll have the Smarties one then. <laughs> and I was like, no, Aaron, I, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I like blue. And he goes, yes, but you did say blue, so I'm having the blue one. <laughs> Aaron thinks I know which one he should have, but that I just don't want to tell him. And he tries to work out what I think by asking sneaky questions. But I don't. There are things in Aaron's life that are planned And there's not really a lot he can do about it. He started school last year. He'll move to year one this September. When he's 11, he'll go to secondary school. That's just how it is. And then there's things in Aaron's life that I desire for him. He's really sociable and confident. And I hope that as he goes through teenage years and into adulthood, that stays with him. I hope he stays the lovely person that he is. 
I desire that he uses nice manners, and he doesn't, and it's a nightmare, but I desire it. That's what I desire for him. I hope when he's a grown-up, he finds his passions, he finds what he cares about. But I don't have a secret plan for which Easter egg Aaron should eat or which program he should watch. God has a plan for our lives, but he's not a sneaky God, and it is not a secret plan that we have to figure out. Don't we treat God like that sometimes? Don't we say, God, what shall I study at uni, or where shall I live? What job shall I do? Who shall I marry? Don't we say, which club shall I join, or which restaurant shall I go to for dinner? And I think God's saying, I really don't mind. Whichever one you want. And then we get an email advertising 50% off at Frankie and Benny's. And we're like, yes, thank you, God. (laughs) And he's like, no, I didn't send that email. That was the marketing department. (laughs) So why do we see God's will in this way? Why do we wait for God to reveal his secret plan instead of just getting on with things? Well, choices. I've already mentioned choices. So hard to make a choice when there's so many choices, and we don't want to make a bad one. We want to please God. We want to do what God wants, and that's good. It's just not quite how God's will works. We're timid. Some of us are just too timid to make a decision. We don't trust ourselves, so we wait for God. We want perfect fulfillment. We want to know that we're doing the right thing, that we're in the right place, and that that will bring fulfillment. The thing is, life doesn't really work like that. In the Bible, Abel had faith, and he died. Enoch had faith, and he didn't die. Noah had faith, everyone else died. (laughs) That's giving you hope, isn't it? (laughs) Having faith and following God's will doesn't come with any promises around events and results. His promise is that he is with us, whatever the journey looks like. And finally, we're cowards. We're a little bit scared that we're doing the wrong thing. But look at Esther in the Bible and the huge risks she took. Esther was a Jewish girl, chosen to be queen of Persia because she was beautiful And the king was then tricked into ordering all Jews to be killed. And Esther bravely approached the king and told him about the plot, risking her own life. God didn't tell her to. In fact, God isn't even mentioned in the book of Esther. She didn't wait for a divine sign that this is the right thing to do and that she would be safe doing it. She prayed, she asked other people to pray, and then she went. And she was brave even though she was scared. She made a bold choice even though she was scared. So we've got really good reasons for wanting God's will of direction. The big problem with thinking in this way, apart from the fact that it treats God like he's a sneaky God, is that it removes responsibility from ourselves. A few years ago, before we'd had children... We'd been married a couple of years and we were living in uh, York and I really wanted to move back home over to near North Wales and Luke didn't. And we talked about it a little bit but we weren't really getting anywhere so we decided to have a weekend away um, just to pray about it and think it through. So we went away, we got a cottage, it was winter, we had the fire lit and we just sat and chatted it all through, talked about 
all of the reasons I wanted to move near, near to my parents and all of the reasons why Luke wanted to stay in York. Do you like my images? Look how rubbish the other option is. <laughs> that is the best image I could find. <laughs> That's, yeah, that helped us make the decision. So... And after we talked about it, we prayed about it, we had lots of quiet and just listening to God. And by the end of the weekend, I wanted to stay in York. So I had decided that was the, the right decision. And I think at the time I might have said, God's changed my heart or God has told me. And if that is true, that's great. But it was still my choice. And I still had to take responsibility for it being my choice. If I was to hold on to the idea that God told me to stay somewhere that I didn't want to be it would be toxic for my relationship with God and probably for my relationship with Luke as well a God that makes us do things we don't want to do isn't a God I want to follow a God that makes me stay somewhere against my will is not a God I want to follow he doesn't work like that and if I believed that then I would grow to resent him I chose to stay here And God has been with us. I can now say with confidence that it was in God's plan for me and Luke to commit to York and commit to G2. Because it's now 13 years later and we're still here. So I can say it now, but I wasn't supposed to know it back then. God has a plan for our lives, but he's not a sneaky God and it is not a secret plan. The other big problem is that it's subjective. Think back to my friend and her little girl. The gift in the post. How can anyone possibly know whether that was God's will or whether it just happened? How can we test it? She might believe it, that it was God revealing his will, but it's just her opinion and it can't really be backed up with anything. So, what is God's will for our lives? Um, We're going to look at Matthew 6 and it 25 to 34 it's quite a long passage so to rather than listening to me read it I'd really like it if you read it in pairs so either find it on your phone or there are bibles under chairs knocking around so or you can just read it off the board so if you just read it in pairs or threes one of you read it all or swap halfway verse 33 in this is absolutely crucial for our understanding the will of God in our lives. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first to live as if you are living with God right now. And know that before God, you are in the right place with him. He doesn't call on us to seek a divine word before choosing what module to take or deciding between football or golf. He calls on us to run hard after him, his commands, his glory. The decision to be in God's will or not is the choice, isn't, sorry, is not the choice between York or London or engineering or art. It's the daily decision we face to seek God's kingdom or ours. Submit to him as Lord or not. Live according to his desires or our own. The question God cares about most is not where should I live, but do I love the Lord with 
all my heart, my soul, my strength and my mind, and do I love my neighbor as myself as myself? So go get a job, as long as it's not wicked. Like if it's working in a brothel, don't do that. But go get a job. Go live somewhere in something with someone or with nobody. Whatever helps you to live a holy life best. Go marry someone. As long as you're equally matched and you quite like them. It usually helps. If you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you will be in God's will. God is asking us to lead our lives and he honors the decisions we make. I'm not saying God doesn't care. Of course he cares about your job, your marriage, your house, your friends. But what I'm saying is stop waiting for God to reveal a secret will and just do something. He's not a sneaky God and it's not a secret plan. Make a decision. Use wisdom. Read the Bible. Speak to wise people. And if there doesn't seem a clear, obvious path, just choose something. God will be with you. God does have a plan for our lives, but he's not a sneaky God and it's not a secret plan. And God does use guidance in our decisions. So he gives us invisible providence. Trust that God is with you. Know that you are in the right place. He's not going to leave you. He provides through his son. Get to know Jesus. Get to know how he lived, his character, what he said. And that will guide you. God put his spirit in us. Wisdom and revelation, insight. The spirit gives us peace on decisions. Hebrews has got loads of examples because it was written after Jesus had lived and then left earth. And they couldn't meet with him face to face, but they were guided by the spirit. Through scripture, through the Bible. Apart from the spirit working through scriptures, God doesn't promise any other means to guide us. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. That's in Hebrews. And finally, community. Isn't it amazing that we're in community? You're surrounded by other people who know Jesus, who love Jesus, and have wise counsel. Don't just ask a friend what you should do, because they'll probably say what you want to hear. Ask someone with a different opinion. Ask someone who's got some life experience. The last thing that I want to do is discourage people from praying. Me and Luke are leading a hub called Hearing God. I love hearing from God. I'm really up for praying. This is not a talk that says, stop praying and just do something. Definitely pray about it. Last Saturday during our hub, God gave me a little parable, a parable for my own life. I really believe God speaks to us today. I'm really passionate about that. I believe prayer is key in seeking wisdom. God wants us to talk with him. He's really relational. He wants to be in every part of our lives. Study the Bible, listen to others, pray continually. But let's not be like children who ask God for every answer. Let's not be like Aaron who needs 
an answer for everything. Let's be mature in our decisions, but childlike in our faith. God's will for your life is to live every day walking with him, to live a life that is holy and pleasing to him, to love him and love your neighbor for everything you do to glorify him. The rest is about decisions. We get so concerned about doing what is right, doing what God wants us to do, that we end up doing nothing. We just wait for God to tell us. Stop waiting for God to tell you what to do and just do something. God does have a plan for our lives, but he's not a sneaky God and it's not a secret plan that you've got to figure out. So let's be people that develop wisdom, that seek God through scripture and through Jesus and through the spirit. Let's be a church of spiritual adults. Let's talk to God about our choices and let's have confidence that God is with us because he does have a plan for our lives. And God, please be with us in making bold and wise decisions. Amen.